We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in uh, uh, New Athens, Illinois, and Trinity Lutheran Church in Darmstadt, Illinois. It was on the tip of your tongue. Well, I can't stop. It's like saying the alphabet. Have you ever noticed that? If you stop to think about the alphabet, it just goes in. But no, you just got to say it. You just plow on through. That's that's what I got to do. Don't even think about it. That's right. Maybe maybe you young people don't have that problem, but we old people do. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to say it, Chad. Okay. Uh, Did you say who you are? No, not yet. All right. <laughs> I am Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from yeah. Ascension Lutheran Church in Christmastown, USA. <laughs> hey, don't even forget, before we're done here, I need to get the, the streets and addresses because I think Lynn and I are going to go over and see some of the Christmas lights this year over Good. in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, can Fantastic. I come over to Illinois to the Our Lady of the Snow Shrine there? Oh, that's a good right one. Right off of Highway uh, uh, 15 there outside of Belleville. Yeah, they got great lights. And But you said you got some super lights out uh, your way too, right? People come from the St. Louis metro area to our neck of the woods, our neighborhood, St. Louis Hills just to check out the lights. So they renamed the streets. So now Murdoch Avenue changes to Candy Cane Lane and Nottingham Street turns to Snowflake Street. And, I mean, people come with shuttles and limousines and... uh just to see these Christmas lights, so it's it's pretty cool. And have you ever been to Tillis Park? I have. Oh boy, that's a beautiful one. Well, but see, here's the interesting thing. So one year we did Tillis Park, yeah, and then we came back and did the Our Lady of the Snow Shrine. Sure. And of course, if you go to Tillis Park, there's absolutely no religious imagery. Yeah, period. Yeah. Nothing for Christianity. Nothing for Kwanzaa. Nothing for any. No, there's just absolutely nothing. Uh, uh, and I've often wondered, you know, so as a Christian, I go to Tillis Park. So well, there, there wasn't a single thing about Jesus' birth. Or anything but i'm wondering if if atheists go through our lady the snow shrine and they say you know there wasn't a single santa claus oh how disappointing where's rudolph yeah where's rudolph wasn't there at all jeez what are they thinking before we leave the subject of christmas activities is is this, was it last week or was it this weekend this is the 15th. this is the weekend and it that's why i bring right, up tell uh, about the christmas that. town usa because in the midst of all the lights and santas and reindeer we have our live nativity at ascension so we invite you to stop by tonight uh from five to to 9 p.m., you'll be glad you did. Uh, this year we have not just one, but two camels. Whoa! Two camels. Doubling up That's on the right. camels? That's Are right. you ready for Watch that? Out. After the problem you it, had? It's our fourth year. It's a big step, but we're going to try to take Those it. Those camels might eat everything there. There won't be anything <laughs> left. I know. You have your hands full with one camel. Seriously. <laughs> no. He ate part of the Wiseman costume the one year. He ate a couple of wooden beads <laughs> off of it. So I, Hopefully, you'll, you'll be having Wiseman run around in their underwear. Yeah, Frank the camel. I still remember him. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's okay. Little behave, better behave camels. Yeah, hopefully so. So, hey, camels, uh, some some calves, a couple of goats and sheep, uh, and best of yet, all 
Pastor Matt Clark will be there at least part of the time. That's right. So come say hi, get some free hot chocolate and Christmas cookies. And uh, and then also we have lots of Christmas figures, too, people from that first Christmas. We have over 50 people that are going to be dressed up throughout the course of the evening. And uh, just that reminder of choir what singing? Christmas is all about. Yes, multiple choirs singing. The St. Louis Christmas Carol Association will be there. Cool. And our school and youth group and, and our handbells. So uh, every half hour there will be new musicians there and uh, stick around for a while because yeah the, the music's really good too so it's it's something to check out Time, times again times again 5 to 9 p.m tonight okay. uh, december the 15th and next year lynn and i will be there i gotta work i'm sorry i gotta work tonight i know you but the next year i'll be retired and and we'll come join you that. bet so here's what we're doing uh we have two more episodes to this uh this morning and next morning before we take a break for uh, the year and for Christmas. And so there's just a few odds and ends that we wanted to kind of pick up on if we could uh, today. We were talking about uh, how God commanded uh, Joshua and the Israelites to kill everybody. Uh, to devote everyone to destruction. Well, in fact, you got that passage there, Matt. I have it somewhere here. From yeah, Joshua. so we're in Joshua chapter 6, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, uh, verse 21. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. And so, you know, we talked about how that really makes people feel uncomfortable. What kind of God is this that just kills everybody, young and old? Uh, and yet my reflection is, yeah, that's pretty much the God we got now. <laughs> that's yeah. what he's doing, even as you and I speak. I had to say, young and old, everyone's uh, getting killed. No one's getting out of this place alive. But then we did talk about the fact that there was at least one person, in fact, her whole family in, in uh, uh, Jericho that was spared. And that was who, Matt? That was Rahab. Yeah, yeah. And here's what it says in Josh 6, 22 through 23. You got that too there, Matt? Yep. Uh, but to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the women and all who belong to her, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And and so we, we commented on the fact uh, that the reason that it says here explicitly in Joshua 6 is because you swore. You swore to her. So that's why we, we've got to spare these people because you made them a promise and we have to keep the promise as you swore to her. Uh, talked about the fact that it always tickles me she was a prostitute because, you know, God could have chosen anyone to have delivered those spies. It could have been a seller of purple. Uh, you know, it might have been just a nice uh, uh, housewife or something like that. So it's interesting that it's a prostitute yeah. who actually comes to their rescue. But it occurred to me that people might be thinking, well, yeah, but it's not just because they swore to her that she would be delivered, her and her family, but it was because she had helped the spies and everything. So it was kind of like her good works that caused all this to happen. And uh, as Lynn and I, that's what we've been doing for our, our uh, morning Bible study. I don't want to make anyone feel guilty because maybe you can't have a Bible study with your wife. Uh, Lynn and I couldn't for years and years because she was up at 530. And trust me, I'm not up at 530 <laughs> in the morning. Uh, but she's retired now, so we can do this. So we were reading on, though, and we hear another situation of people who were spared because of an oath the Israelites made to them. But these people probably really didn't deserve to be despaired because they got the oath under false pretenses. Would you mind reading the story of uh, uh, Joshua 9, 
Uh, just start reading there, if you would, please. It, it's an interesting account. So begin yeah. with, with verse 18. Yeah. Uh, or, well, no, why don't you just start right at the beginning of chapter oh, okay, 9, sure. if you could. All right, here um, we go. As soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland, all on the coast of the great sea, toward Lebanon, the Hittites, and the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jeb- <laughs> Why are you making me read this, John? <laughs> heard, of the, heard of this, they gathered together. Oh, they're all ites. This isn't they're hard to ites. pronounce. All right, yeah. all right. I, I got it, I got it. They... they <laughs> It's like the alphabet. You just start, <laughs> and then right. it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> they gather together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. Okay, so everyone's getting upset about this fact, because Israel's just going on, and they're wiping people out. Yeah. They're wiping people out. The word uh, is spread. But now, look, look we got uh, Gibeonites. they got a different approach. you okay. got to appreciate the Gibeonites. Everyone else wants to fight Joshua and Israel, although I'm thinking, you're, you're stupid. You know you're going to lose. Jericho, the mighty fortified city, has been wiped out. How do you think you're going to fare any better? But anyway, the Gibeonites are a little smarter. The wily Gibeonites. The wily. That's the perfect word, Matt. You're right. Okay. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they, on their part, acted with cunning. Oh, good word. And went yeah. and made ready provisions and took worn out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins worn out and torn and mended with worn out patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes. And all the provisions were dry and crumbly. If <laughs> <laughs> you look at the Hebrew word there for crumbly. <laughs> dry and crumbly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they went went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country, so make a covenant with us. So so we got a bunch of people, and they're essentially lying, aren't they? Oh, yeah, big yeah, time. Yeah, yeah they, 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 they've, they've got all the acting and the, the costumes That's and right. everything, just like you're going to do at your thing tonight. And, oh, we're from a distant country, and oh, we'd like to make a covenant and a promise with you. Now, of course, the difficulty is God has given the Israelites explicit commandments to destroy everyone in the land of Canaan. Yes. That's how it's going to be. There will be no exceptions here. But the Gibeonites are thinking, well, you know, maybe we get you to make us a promise or two, and then maybe you'll spare us. And, of course, if we'd read on in the story, that's exactly what happens. The Israelites look at their crumbly food and their worn-out clothes. Well, <laughs> looks like you have been traveling for a long distance. And so they do. They make a covenant. All right, we'll be at peace with each other. We'll promise to uh, uh, be allies with you. They take the bait. They take the bait. Uh, but of course, later on in Joshua number chapter nine, they find out that they had lied to them. They found out that no, actually, they're their neighbors. They're right there in the area, and yet read what it says in Joshua nine verses eighteen through twenty-one. Because I'm thinking, if someone lies to me, that's it. You're done for. I'm going to come and wipe you out. That's, that's right. what that's You're what toast. God told us to do, anyways. Right? Yeah. It, listen to how the the people of Israel respond here. Yeah. Uh, but the people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against the leaders. Okay, let me just stop there. So it's not like the people of Israel like this. No. No, no, because their natural reaction is we should do what? Well, we, we, we should wipe them out. This is our land. And that's pretty much our reaction, isn't it? When somebody does something bad, what do we think should happen to them? Oh, they should be... Struck down. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Somebody does evil and wicked, they ought to be punished. Of course, as we're saying those things, we forget what? 
And we've done Wicked and Evil, too. Yeah, so maybe we don't want Wicked and Evil to be punished. But it seems like a good idea at the time. But but the, the leaders prevail. The leaders prevail. And this is the advice they give to the congregation. They also give to you and me as well. Okay. But all the leaders said to the, all the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And now we may not touch them. This we will do to them. Let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because the oath that we swore to them. And the leader said to them, let them live. Uh, let me just stop you there, mid-verse. So, so here's the point I'm making, people. It, it's not about how good you are. It's not about how worthy you are. It's a matter if someone has made you a promise. And if God makes an oath, if God makes a promise to you, then you can be sure that God will keep that, even if maybe you don't deserve to have that from God. And, and of course, the beautiful thing here as we approach Christmas is that in Christmas, God did make a beautiful promise to you and me. He spared it, spelled it out very clearly when we were baptized. Uh, he affirms it every time you come up and eat and drink of his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. And I think that's the heart of the Christian faith, that, that no, we don't deserve anything from God. Uh, so, but we have the promises of God, and God will keep his oath. He will keep his promise. He will let us live. Although, I don't think lying to God is a good thing. No, <laughs> we're not a good policy. We're not advocating that. In fact, if you could conclude the little story here with the next verse. Yes. Uh, so, let's see here. Verse 21. And the leaders said to them, let them live. So they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation, just as the leaders had said of them. So so they end up kind of being slaves, uh, uh, particularly serving in the temple, which I think was kind of interesting that they would be, uh, uh, you know, serving there in, in the congregation. So so probably we don't want to lie to God. It's like uh, John says in his uh, letter, he says, if, if you say you're without sin, uh, you're, you're a liar and, and the truth is not in you. No, we probably are best to confess our sins as we do in, in many of our, our uh, liturgies in the Lutheran Church. We start with confession. And then, of course, having confessed our sins, God immediately says, yeah, and I made a promise to you, and that is that I would forgive your sins. In fact, I have already forgiven them through my suffering and death on the cross. So I just thought it's kind of a neat story that uh, God keeps his promises, and that's what our faith is based on, not upon us, but upon the fact that God is faithful to his word and his promises. And it's interesting, if you read on in Joshua, these people are actually attacked by other Canaanites, mm -hmm. and you would have thought the Jews would say, well, it's not our business, right? No, no, you lied to us, now you just have to suffer. No, no, they come to their rescue even in those circumstances too. So trust me, if you're wondering about whether God will come to your rescue, no, no, he's made his vows, his promises, he will, and God help us to treasure that. Because sad to say, I think some people say, oh, I don't care what promises God made to me, and well, that's a whole different situation if you don't care if you don't believe in the promises God is making you, that's a whole different circumstance. Any final yeah. thoughts or questions about that I just the other thing matter? that struck me, too, is as they make this promise, as they make this oath to these people, they do it by the name of the Lord. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons it seems like they keep that promise, too, is it, it, it wasn't just some promise we made you know, offhanded. No, this is something we swore by God's name. And that's a big deal when you use invoke the name of the Lord. And I think of... To build off what you said, John, when God makes His promises to us, there's a couple. Oh yeah, uh, there's a couple oh. examples where God swears by His own name. Yeah, and just this this idea that there's nothing greater to swear by than the name of God. And so, if if God's going to make a promise, He swears by Himself, and we know, like you pointed out. It's going to happen. He's going to keep that promise. You know, that's such a neat concept because on the, the other hand, it shows why why we should be really careful oh, yeah. about the vows we make. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because if God... But but again, it's a reminder that that's how you can trust it because it's, it's, it's not... When, when Matt and I tell you that God loves you, 
and that God's desire is that you would be saved and live in heaven. That's not Matt and my making promises to you. We're just telling you what God has said in his holy word. That's his promise. Right, so great, great point. Yeah, He swears by his own name, and, well, I think you can pretty well trust he's going to keep that. That's right. And God help us by his spirit to treasure the fact he's made those promises. Uh, all right. Now, you had something else you wanted to talk about? Is well, I want to look at another. Oh, well, this, right. I think this, this this fits well, John, because now a we want to talk about a nice segue. Okay. Because we want to talk about another promise that okay. God has made to us, all right? A promise that has not yet been fulfilled. Okay. Oh, okay. Because we know that baby, that, that baby came on Christmas, right? Yeah. He was in the yeah. manger, you know, and, and we've got our, our little drive through at the Our Lady of the Snows you've mentioned <laughs> to remind us of that and live nativities that portray that again. But he's also made another promise that hasn't been fulfilled yet. But he's going to keep that promise, too. And that promise, of course, to remember this time of year is that not only is Christ going to come, uh, not only did Christ come as that baby, but he's going to come again as as not a baby, right? But as a king to reign. I'm psychically reading your mind here. Are are you referring to Luke? Chapter twenty one. That's exactly what I'm referring to. Whoa. Oh my goodness! Well, oh, he's good. By the way, it, it helped that Matt told me before we started. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to give that away. Well, no, we definitely need to give that away because there are no psychic powers here. Well, no, there's... the only thing you can trust on this show is the Word of God. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, Luke chapter twenty one. And verse... as John pointed out, yes, I did give Mads up. Verse twenty five. Let's All look at right. verse twenty five. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, the stress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. Do you really want me to read this? <laughs> well, you made me read about the Hittites yeah, and Parasites. That's true. Okay. But but yes, this is kind of foreboding, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, verse 20, yeah. 20, 25 Well, that is 26. the next word. People yeah. feigning with fear and with foreboding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Of what is coming in the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. All and, right. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll stop, stop there. there. Okay. Yeah, we'll stop there for a second. We'll, we'll pick right. up on the rest of that verse in a second, but we'll stop there. Um Boy, yeah. Uh, so it's talking about the day of Jesus' return. And, and yeah. it talks about as that day draws near, there's going to be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, the roaring of the seas and the waves, uh, people actually just fainting, passing out with yeah. fear. Uh, it's incredible. And, and of course, as, as we hear that, uh, I don't think we can help but just think about our world today and look That's around us. Yeah. And we've, we have Hurricane Michael and before that, Hurricane Florence that hit the Carolinas. We've had wildfires in California. We've had tornadoes recently touch down on the Illinois side of the yep. river not all that long ago. We've just had an earthquake in Alaska. And and, and who knows what else is going to happen over the next uh, weeks to come. Well, and, and there's all this human violence yeah. that's going on. The that's whole right. stuff over in France yeah. and all throughout the oh, world. Yeah. yeah, It's mayhem. It's uh, and then I, you know, you have this uh, the whole thing about climate change. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and people are, I think, literally perplexed about that, as this text says, about what's going on, what's happening, um, and we look around us and we're wondering, you know, what what is going on here, and we can't help but wonder is is creation just sort of waiting now for the return of Jesus. And that's really what, what Paul says in Romans. He talks about how the creation itself, it rates with this eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It's just waiting for Christ to return. Isn't that amazing? That's that a beautiful picture. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, these these really, truly cosmic signs that are going to take place leading up to Jesus' return that God has promised. And I, I'm thinking it only makes sense because when he came the first time, yeah. there were 
cosmic signs, oh, yes. too, right? Yep, yep. Almost every act of salvation that takes place during Jesus' life really has this this element of the creation being active. You have, we have the heavenly hosts, you know, and, and uh, the angels, uh, you know, of, of Christmas. You have that the star that leads the Magi yep, yep. at the time of Jesus' death. We're fast-forwarding a little bit here. Uh, you have the earthquake and the darkness, those hours over the earth. Uh, Jesus' ascension now, three up into hours. heaven. I know. Three hours. We, we, yeah. had the, we had the eclipse, and we were amazed at that. It was only like five minutes or I something. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the ascension, I was thinking, too, is the resurrection, and then you go, goes up into heaven and the clouds hide him from oh, their yep, sight. Yep, so yeah. you see all these different signs and we wonder, well, could Jesus return be coming soon? And and the answer is, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't know when, but we know that with, with each passing lifetime and each passing day and each passing hour, we're, we're that much closer to his return. Um, so the, the, the idea is to be prepared, be prepared. Um, and, and just like we kind of see these signs around us that Christmas is coming, that yeah. celebration of Christmas, like live nativities and light displays and all that. <laughs> we get prepared. We don't want to be caught Christmas morning without any presents under the tree or without, you know, without uh, cooking for the relatives that are going to stop by. We want to be prepared. So in a, in a similar way, as we see these signs in our world taking place, we want to be prepared for that second coming. We want, don't want to be caught unprepared, but be prepared for, for Christ's return. So uh, along those lines, I I think part of it is, you know, when you're prepared for Christmas, you don't really have to to fear Christmas Day coming. No, If if we've got that Christmas sermon written as pastors, oh, I can kind of relax now. It's it's taken care of. Uh, Same thing with the second coming. If we're prepared, we we don't have to be in perplexity or faint with fear. We can be at peace. Um, So let's read that that, that next verse. Because my question is then how do we get prepared? Yes, sure. How do we get prepared? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Yeah. So for us who are in Christ, straighten up, raise your heads. Yeah. Your redemption is drawing near. Um, so I, I think uh, I'm, <laughs> i got to credit my wife for this. So it's talking about the heavens being shaken. Yeah. So uh, to, to quote James Bond... We, <laughs> Of course, of course, James Bond. Yeah, we are. Things may be shaking. James, James Bond. You know, he gets he orders yeah. that martini. What yeah. does he always say? Shaken and not stirred. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, the earth, the cosmos, as it says here, will be shaken. Yeah. yeah. But as Christians, we are not <laughs> stirred. Stir- you like that? Oh yeah, yeah. man! Wow. Thanks, Lisa, for that. Uh, what a way to end it! Blame Lisa. Uh, yeah, sure, I'm so, sure it's Lisa's fault. So my yeah, so my wife and I we talked too yeah. about Bible yeah. stuff, and I was getting my sermon ready and, and talking through it, and I had some other clever phrase worked up, and she goes, "Huh, oh, I thought you were going to say, well, shake and not stir." And I'm like, "Well, that's even better." <laughs> but anyway, uh, but but back to your question, John. Okay, yeah. well, wait a second. Uh, how is it that Christians aren't Stirred. Yeah. How can we um, face that with? How can we stand up? I think I'd be cowering in the corner, hiding under a rock. Yeah. And I, I, I know what's yeah. taking place, and you know everything. The signs when Jesus actually comes, what that's going to look like. But I think the key is your re- those last few words. Your redemption, redemption. is drawing near. Yep. Okay. So the one who's coming back is the redeemer. The one who's coming back is the one who came to the earth as that little child on Christmas in order to redeem us. And if he loved us that much to come to to be born and to die and to rise for our redemption, for us who are in him, right, by baptism and in word, we can straighten up, raise up our heads, 
not because we deserve heaven, but because, no, our redemption is drawing near. The one who's redeemed us, he's coming back for us. And it occurs to me that this promise of God, again, this is not our word, but it's the word of God, turns everything on its head. Because the very things we see going on in the world now that should make us frightened and we think, oh my goodness, look at all these horrible, evil things that are taking place. Oh, wait a second. That's just a reminder that the Lord Christ is returning and he's returning as our redemption. Wow, cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when we see these things begin to take place, straight up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. So we, in the season of Advent especially, we anticipate Christmas and his coming as that baby, but also that coming as our Savior and King. Thank you so much, Matt. This has been Wrestling Wrestling with with the the basics. Basics.